Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have such a fun episode for you today with a one-of-a-kind human and a brilliant and talented performer, contortionist from England, Lucy Boxall, joins the show. Performers are some of the most fascinating people on earth, especially those whose stage is the circus. Individuals in the circus usually are free spirits, profound thinkers, who have a zest for life, especially an atypical life. Another thing I love about performers in the circus is that they often are multi-talented. You may see him on the trapeze one day, performing with fire the next. And today's guest is no different, and it's one of the reasons why I had to chat with Lucy. She started off with the aerials and with the trapeze in circus school, but has evolved into a masterful contortionist. She's the first contortionist on the show, and I had so many questions for her. And today's conversation was an absolute blast, and I learned so much. And she provided us with some amazing thoughtful and intellectual answers. On today's episode, Lucy chats about how her performing journey took her from performing on the trapeze to where she is now as a contortionist. Lucy also addresses some of the misconceptions that people have about contortionists. And finally, she reflects on her career and talks about the locations in which she has performed that stand out in her mind, but also the specific poses that makes her the most proud. Absolute delight chatting with Lucy. She made the show better, and I know you'll love her. Thrilled for everyone to meet her. So let's go ahead and bring on contortionist from Brighton, England, Lucy Boxall, and let's learn. Really excited to chat with you today, Lucy, because it's a world that I know little about, so I'm, I'm very excited to learn so much. You're a performer. How did you first fall into being a contortionist? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone's journeys are different. For me, I actually started out when I was much older, you know, much older than traditional contortionists. Um, a lot of contortionists start when they are really, really young, you know, they're five, six, seven, and they often get into it through gymnastics. Um, for me, I, I had quite a sort of a hedonistic teenage years, 20s, a lot of parties and festivals. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, when I... I was I was coming up to my 30s and I was I, I spent you know I tried a few things I tried hula hooping I went to like a hula hoop class I tried yoga everyone tries yoga don't they and I tried a few things and just nothing stuck nothing really spoke to me nothing kept me wanting to go back um, and there's where I am in Brighton UK there's a local circus school high top circus and they were doing taster classes for aerial trapeze. So I was like, aerial, that's different. Trapeze, it's something I haven't tried. It sounds terrifying. You know, you're swinging up in the sky. I'll give it a go. And um, I went along and I, you know, I did not have the physical strength or the endurance for it at all because it requires so much. But I, I loved it. You know, I loved the feeling of being up in the air doing incredible things that you just wouldn't have thought you could do. And I stuck with it for, for a couple of years. Um, and as time went on and I, I got better at aerial uh, trapeze, I started doing handstand classes on the side. I was like, well, if I can, if I can do trapeze and I'm, I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't too bad at it then. I'm probably terrible now. It's been a long time. Um, and I started doing handstand classes 
and I was actually all right at handstands and I was like okay well if I could do handstand classes maybe I could try something else yeah. and um, I started doing just flexibility classes but at a circus school which I yeah. think is very different to what you might get with flexibility classes um, and as as I got stronger and um, as I became more flexible suddenly I could do you know these shapes and that motivation that adrenaline rush you get from doing something for the first time that you didn't think was possible that keeps you coming back you're like yeah, yeah. wow i can do that i want to do more of that um and it wasn't until probably about three four years ago that i really got to a level that i could perform you know it's it takes a long time um it you really have to commit yourself to it um and I say, yeah, in the last in the last sort of three, four years, I've been more at that advanced level where I've been able to perform. And I feel like I've got the confidence to be like, I can do things that not many people can do. Yeah. I'm going to show people that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that's a, a big motivation doing things that most people can't. You mentioned about age being a hurdle, especially because you said a lot of contortions start at a young age. So what were some of the additional hurdles that you faced? Yeah, I think when you know when when you're young your body hasn't got into those bad habits wow. you know kids i think it's mentally and physically physically your body hasn't got into those bad habits you haven't been slouching over a, a computer for days and days or playing video games or whatever it may be and you also don't have that f quite the same fear do you i'm sure you remember being a kid and just like chucking yourself into things and not thinking about it and as you get older you're, you have a lot of muscle memory. Muscle memory is so important with contortion. And you've got all of those historical muscle memory things that your muscles are like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't stretch in that way. I'm not meant to bend in that way. And you have to retrain all of that. So you're not even just starting from zero. You actually need to like untrain the way your body thinks it should work. Um, and as you become more flexible and more skilled with contortion it also shows any inaccuracies or any weaknesses in your body that might never have been a problem they might you know you could go your entire life and never notice it but because you're demanding so much a tiny little thing you know if my right lat muscle is slightly weaker than my left over time, that imbalance, when you're like balancing on your arms, is going to take its toll. So you have to be so, so much more careful and, and really just be so honed into how am I going to learn this in the safest and best way possible. Yeah. And children, you're starting from like baseline zero. So there's a lot more opportunity to, to develop as a contortionist in the right way. Um, and it's been tough, you know, and I've, I've suffered from injuries and most contortionists I know who have started later have suffered from injuries. And it's, I wouldn't even necessarily call them injuries. We tend to call them like part of the journey, you know, okay. you find, you find these weaknesses and you have to work through them and you have to work harder to be stronger and be, be better and more diligent with how you train. You mentioned yoga earlier, and I'm wondering, is being a contortionist, is, is that just an extreme form of yoga, or would you say there's more differences? 
It's a really common question. And, it, and on, uh, on social media, there's like a, a, a few contortionists who do sort of hashtag not yoga. It's okay. very, there's, there's a real divide in those. Yeah, in those I, I figured there was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, a sore spot. But no, it's, um, so yoga is, to me, and I, I'm not, I don't do yoga, so I can't speak to it. Yeah. But but from from what I understand, yoga is very spiritual, um, and there it's it's a lot more um, uh, it's a lot more about release and peacefulness and um, finding that inner sort of calmness. And there's obviously different disciplines of yoga. Um, contortion is is a physical sport. It's a physical um, endurance and strength um, commitment. So. A lot of the highly skilled yoga um, artists you see online, even they have actually studied in contortion, and I know a f quite a few who you see as uh, yoga professionals who do these amazing things. But they have actually studied with global contortion coaches. Um, with contortion, a lot of it is strength-based, and that's one of the misconceptions. You know, I always get asked, "Are you hypermobile? Yeah, Were you yeah. always flexible?" Um, and I do have some hypermobility, but I think training contortion has unlocked that. I wasn't naturally flexible. Um, and it really is, it really is trained. You know, it's, it, you have to be so committed and you have to do the strength training. Otherwise you, you can't achieve those high level skills. It's not about just bending your back and dumping into your back, you know, squishing your back. Yeah. You have to be able to control those muscles and expand them to be able to support your spine and elongate it in that way. And when you think of it like that, it's not just bending, it's actually stretching and engaging your muscles in exactly the right way. And that's, that's the art form. And it is, it is an art discipline as, as well as a high level sport, I'd say. Yeah. You mentioned one reason that children start off well as contortionists because of a, no bad habits. So for you, as you've gotten better and as you've gotten stronger, have you felt that your daily life and your daily physical abilities have, have augmented, have improved in some ways? Have you kind of got rid of some of the bad habits? Yeah, I think so. A friend said to me about a year ago, she said, uh, your posture is amazing. Okay. She was like, I, what a weird comment from someone. <laughs> but I think, um, I think those sort of things you... You're, you're building up a lot of strength and you, you're building movement into your daily life that you might not otherwise have done. Um, and if I sit still for too long at a desk, I need to just like stretch my back out, click my neck. It sounds gross, but you have to do those things because your body starts to almost hurt. It needs that movement. Um, and they say with, with contortion, you you're building up, you have to progress, you, you know, you do a little bit, you do a little bit more, you, you build it up week by week until you are able to do a three hour training session, for example. It's the same with stopping contortion. You can't just stop because your body has adapted to a different way of moving and being, and it needs that movement. If you just stopped, you'd probably just tense up and you'd, you'd injure yourself. Yeah which is really weird. And you don't get that from yoga. You know, you, you don't just, you, if you just stopped for a month, you wouldn't suffer any sort of negative impact, but 
you really can injure yourself. So you have to kind of ramp down if you're going to ramp down training as well for contortion. Um, so it really does affect, yeah, absolutely everything, even like the way I sleep. Um, because I'm so conscious of being uh, equal in how I sleep, I've had to train myself to sleep on my back, you know, and, and to sleep really like well with my hands in the right position. And that's, that was really tough because, you know, you go through a period of not really sleeping because you want to sleep in your natural position. For me, it was on my side, but on my side, I've got half of my body crunched over the other. And when you do something like contortion, where your body has so much movement, that can have a really bad impact. Very, 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 very interesting. You mentioned that you went to a circus school for this. So it's very specialized training. So for you, as you've gotten better, what are the resources you turn to to continue along the journey to improve yourself? Yeah, it's, I think, I think it's, you know, there aren't many positives of COVID in the last year, but I think um, it has opened up a lot more. It has made a lot more coaching and a lot more arts and skills turn to be adaptable to the virtual world. Um, so I was lucky I had an online coach anyway. Um, and I just reached out to someone on Instagram who I admired, you know, a lot of, a lot of these people do offer, um, specialist coaching. And even if they don't advertise it and you think that's the best contortionist in the world, I wonder if she'd do a private lesson with me. And if you just reach out more than often, they do actually do coaching. Um, so I, I started, as I said, with my local Brighton Circus School. And that really gave me a good foundation, a really good foundation to move on from. Because I think as well, unless you've got a good foundation to some extent, it can be a little bit hard to do virtual because obviously they can't spot you. You know, they can't actually correct you physically. You're relying on their verbal cues. Um, but for the last sort of three years, um, I've studied online with some fantastic coaches um, and there are many out there and I really do think that makes a big difference um, online I get a lot of people reaching out to me saying you know how how have you progressed your skills how do you do this do you do coaching etc etc and quite a lot of them have just trained th through watching Instagram videos or YouTube videos and I always say please go and get a coach please go and get a coach you I, I really don't think contortion is something that should be done isolated without a professional being able to watch you until at least you have a good foundation and know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, then, then great, go off and do your thing. But I think in that early stages, what you see online, and if you just push yourself into it, that's when you can injure yourself. So I think you, you really need to Teach, uh, learn with an expert and also they can offer so much more that you can't see online you know the little cues and one of my coaches amazingly you know it'll be a video tutorial and she'll say Lucy engage that small muscle in the middle of your back and you're like how do you see that how do you know yeah and it does it does work because they know exactly what they're looking for um so I'd say that's online coaching is is the main resource um but i think you also learn a lot from the circus community around you especially for performing and and those kind of wider skills um so going along to a local circus school 
even if they don't do contortion, if they do aerial or handstands, um, quite often you'll learn other things about movement from them, which is, is really, really lovely. Um, and a lot of contortionists I know are also pole dancers or also uh, aerial artists because it, they really do lend themselves to that sort of movement and strength. You mentioned about the difficulty of performances over the last year. How did you handle all the emotional ups and downs of not being able to perform, not being able to be out there and, and share the gift that you have? Yeah, it was, it's really tough. And I'm sure, I'm sure many people feel this, but I, I don't know if it's something that perhaps performance artists feel more, but your emotions and your mental health is quite tied up with your persona of being an artist, being yeah. a performer. And it's really hard. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard to keep the motivation up to train, um, not being around, um, not being able to go into your circus school and be around your community and train is, has been really hard. Um, I've been lucky that at least I can train at home. And as I said, a lot of my coaches were online anyway. So I have been able to do that. The one thing I don't have here is is space at home. So <laughs> I haven't, God, I haven't done handstand training in um, probably about 18 months. And the fear is creeping back in for doing it, which is so weird because I was, I was pretty good at handstands. Um, so I think I've adapted, you know, I've, I've done more of what I can do in the space and what I feel comfortable doing at home and safe doing at home. But being at home and having that committed time, I have progressed quite a lot. And I, I you know, my skills have progressed quite a lot in the last uh, year and a half, in fact, more so than before. And I think it's accelerated a bit because of lockdown. Um, and that's probably more because of the dedicated time um, and just the focus you put on it. Because, of course, lockdown, you need to focus on something to take your mind off it. And I'm lucky that I've, I've had this. Um, so it's been tough, but I, I definitely feel, uh, I'm lucky to have had this like passion and, and focus for what I can do, uh, with my time. You talked about your skills accelerating. How about mentally? Have they improved as well? And what do you do to make sure you're in the right frame of mind for a performance? It's, it's something I've personally struggled with a lot. Um, I, I think I'm naturally quite an erratic person. And that's great for like taking into a mentality for trying something for the first time when you're like, yeah, I'm just going to throw myself into this. It's fine. I'm sure it will be fine. It's great for that. But performing or photo shoots or something where you really need mental kind of calmness, it can be really difficult. So I do a lot of um, sort of breathing, calming exercises before I train now just to try and get that calmness into my practice. Um, and adrenaline is also a big enemy of mine. You know, for a performance, you get that adrenaline. That adrenaline's right, but it can make things a little bit erratic and you need to be calm. So that's something I've really been focusing a lot on over the last year um, and I've personally struggled with. But I think, yeah, taking those moments, those breathing exercises before and afterwards. Um, I've got an amazing masseuse that I love um, locally who's been really, really helpful. Um, and I think, I think that's really helped. But uh, I, haven't, I haven't done any large performances since 
this lockdown finished. So that's going to be interesting to see how my performance style has changed. I've done a lot of photo shoots recently um, because it's a little bit more um, safe when you can do sort of one-on-one yeah. uh, safety precautions. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually doing some larger events and seeing how my um, training over the last year and sort of mental preparedness has, has, has benefited that. Very cool. As you look back on your career thus far, is there a certain performance that stands out? And also, is there a specific skill or posture that you are the most proud of? Um, well, with performance, there's, it, was, it was actually a lockdown performance, and it was a, a virtual one. But um, it was for Pride Festival last year. And um, it was hosted by the UK um, uh, drag artist uh, uh, Bag of Chips. I don't know if you know her. She's from, she's in RuPaul and she's amazing. And having her announce my act was just the most amazing thing. So that was really, really cool. That was last year. Um, that was probably a highlight for me. And a lot of my friends were like, oh my God, you, you did something with Bag of Chips. That's yeah. amazing. Um, that was really, really cool. And I'd just come out from having a bit of an injury at the time as well. So it was really talking about, you know, mental health and like, and the impact of that. It was a really kind of big boost for me to be able to do something so cool after I'd had a few months of kind of really struggling with my, with my training um, and my body. Um, in terms of the skill I'm most proud of. Uh, so it's a, I mean, contortion terms, people, people have different words for them all the time. There's not really a, a I'll describe it. So yeah. Um, yeah. you're in a chest stand. So your chest is on the floor and your feet are over your head and your butt is on your head and you, you straighten out your legs and then you raise your arms up. So you're sort of in like a, uh, a folded over position and you're really sitting on your own head and I love that move I really love that I think it looks so beautiful um, and it's one it's a skill that I got I got it like god about 18 months ago and I was like yeah this is great this is my like fantastic skill and then it went for a little bit and you, I just couldn't get it back and that sort of happens with contortion. It is a journey. Um, and I'm doing it again now and it's great and it feels really good. But I think because your body is just going through this like process of like learning as you are mentally as well. Um, it is like a real journey and up and down, which I love, but you know, you've got to take the, got to take the highs with the lows. I'm curious on recovery too, because you are putting your body through extreme things. And I know your body gets used to it and can adapt, but what's your philosophy on, re on recovery and rest? You mentioned massage earlier. So is there anything else you do to, to relax and recuperate? Oh, like every day, every single day is part of the journey again. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of circus artists, and there's a really fantastic circus physio out there, um, and she recommends uh, having a week off every sort of like couple of months and so th there's a lot of there's a lot of research out there about it and they always say you know if you're if you are doing a really high level sports olympians or um high level football teams you have off seasons 
you have downtime if you're training. It's just natural as part of as part of the seasonal sort of sports. For circus, you don't have that, of course, because you're doing it for performance and you want to be able to do those performances all the time and take up the opportunities when they come. And it does mean that it, you can really, really push your body sort of too far and it, you need to build in that rest. Um, so that's another lesson I've learned through through my journey because um, you know, a couple of years ago, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to rest. No, I'm going to, I'm going to push it. Push it. I'll keep on pushing it. And then something will, something will break. I, you know, I say break, nothing's ever broken, but a muscle, a muscle will get angry and you're like, okay, I probably should have taken that rest time when my body told me to. Um, So I'm, I'm actually on a week, week rest now. Um, I trained earlier today and my first proper contortion will be tomorrow. So it's it's hard when you when you have a rest week you feel like you're not progressing but it is so important and it is part it's part of that journey it's part of your body's learning process um and then i try and have um i do self-massage at home sort of every day with you know physio balls and things like that and then i've got a local masseuse that is really fantastic who i see once a month and then i've got a local osteopath that i see like once a month so and it, I've been through myself and my contortion partner and a, a few other circus friends. You go around and you try and find the local gems of those physios and those osteos and the, those masseuses who will really work for you. And you try a few out and I feel like now I found my like my like yeah. ideal set of uh, rehabilitation people. But you do need them. You really do need them. And I think especially as you, you get older, um, your, your body needs it. And um, I think something as well, which is interesting in contortion is it's obviously easier when it's warmer. When the sun's out, your muscles are happier. It's far easier to get injured in the winter because your muscles can cramp up afterwards and before but also in the summer and when it's sunny and hot and contortionists in hot countries you risk being too flexible and because it's so hot you can lose the sense of engaging your muscles so there is risk of injury there too but it's a different kind so you're constantly on this journey of like trying to adapt to your environment as well, your surroundings. You are living in one of the greatest places for performers and for entertainment and one of the greatest towns in, in the south of England, Brighton. And I know beforehand you and I were chatting, you talked about your love for the city. So this is your chance. Why is Brighton <laughs> such a great city? Why should people visit? And, and if someone was visiting Brighton for the first time, what would be your recommendations? Oh, oh, well, yeah, my love, my love poem to Brighton. Yeah, I've been here. um, Yeah, over 15 years now. And I do, I do love it. It's a, it is a bit of a summer town. But at the same time, it's got such a strong and unique music scene and performance scene, that even when it's the sun's not out, and you're not down the beach, um, there is so much to do and see. Um, I love the Fringe Festival that they do every May. The Fringe Festival is just, um, it's all of my friends, you know, we're all performing in it, all the circus people come out and then you get international um, performers as well coming over. And it's just so fantastic and just getting out with everyone dressed up in sequins. Um, the last time I was at Fringe Festival before COVID, it's this really funny story and I, I feel a bit bad for it, but there was a comedian who was going around um, and she was a, 
she was promoting her act and she was dressed as a giant egg and she was dressed in this huge egg suit and I just couldn't help but uh, rugby tackle her to the floor because it was just this like inflatable egg suit yeah. and it oh oh um, I gave her a warning she knew it was going to happen but uh, uh, it's just the kind of city it is you know everyone's wearing sequins everyone's like dressed up in crazy outfits um, or just the other day just walking through the town centre at like 3pm on a Monday and there's just like a daytime rave happening in the middle of town and there's just like an elderly elderly couple just dancing dancing their day away basically um, so it, it feels like a very much a city that people feel comfortable to be themselves and really let loose which is just lovely to be around it's very you know comforting i think great description great description in your preparation in your journey as a contortionist you also studied in mongolia before i let you go i got to hear about mongolia so what was that like and what was the goal behind that yeah um it was it was an amazing opportunity an amazing journey um mongolia is one of the home of contortion as as an art you know it's it's been around absolutely forever there and you know it's it's represented in museums and um from genghis khan and all of these fantastic things so um there's a there's a there's a absolutely brilliant Cirque du Soleil contortionist, uh, Sershma Bayamba, and she's just world renowned as being one of the best coaches in the world. And um, I had the opportunity to go with her and a small um, troupe to uh, Mongolia uh, a couple of years ago, um, just before just before COVID, and uh, spent two weeks training with contortion masters out there and visiting all of the contortion schools um, and of course a lot of the contortion schools out there you know, they start so young it's it's part of their culture um, so you know I, I'm I'm training really hard and and you know putting everything I've got into it and I look across the room and there's like a there's like a pyramid of children who have just formed this incredible contortion pyramid of like 11 of them with such great ease, um, which is absolutely amazing. But also like, oh gosh, I wish I, I wish I started when I was seven. Um, but yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And one of the highlights was um, we went into the, we went into the um, desert for a photo shoot and it was sort of like an all day photo shoot and we had to climb climb this huge sort of um uh desert kind of hill or whatever they're sort of called and you know blasting heat in the sunshine all day and just had to like you know go 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 there's no preparation there's no warm-up there's not a chance for that you've just got to go for it because that's often like the professional um uh, atmosphere you don't often get the kind of 40 minute warm-up that you often like um and then on the on the way back our van broke down at night in the desert in the middle of nowhere with and it was like 10 contortionists with no food in our like sequined outfits <laughs> stuck in this van pushing this van across the mongolian desert and i think that's always uh, a memory that will stay with me for um, the best and worst reasons. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Great description, great description. So what's next for you? When can we see you back performing again? And in, do you have any events coming up? Yeah, um, I've been doing a few photo shoots recently. So the next thing will be the results of those photo shoots. And there's some really cool stuff that I'm really excited to um, get out there. Um, I've also recently done a shoot, um, and this is something that you occasionally get 
through the wonders of social media is uh, artists will reach out and say, you know, I love what you're doing. Can we, can we do a shoot? I want to use your material as like a reference material. So there's this, um, I won't reveal the details because obviously it's, it's hers to reveal, but there's this fantastic painter um, who's doing a piece on me at the moment. And I am super excited about that. I'm like, well, I wouldn't be able to afford the piece, but <laughs> I'll definitely be able to get a print. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about seeing the results for that. Um, right now, I am just focusing on, um, I've really, through lockdown, I've like had in my mind this like really unique act I want to get together and focus on. But of course, you know, you train every day. And you don't give time for actually just creating and just spending time to just move about. So um, right now, I think uh, coming up to winter, I'm going to try and focus on that. And of course, Halloween, I'll have a few acts as well. So I'm hoping to do um, in real life and virtual acts in October. But September's a little bit of a going to be a creation month for me, I think, which I'm really looking forward to. This has been so much fun, and I'm excited to catch a performance of yours next time I'm in Brighton. How can people stay up to date with your career and your journey? Yeah, um, just follow me on all any social media platforms. Um, my performance name is Rain Biscuit, which is uh, a little odd, but hey, I love it. And it's, uh, it's weird, and it reflects what I do. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and, you know, like uh, doing interviews is like a very different realm to just bending around. So um, thank you for making it so yeah, easy. And uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable. I will definitely look you up next time I'm in, in Brighton, hopefully towards the end of this year. There you go. Yeah, Brighton's the place to be. I'll see you at the Fringe Festival next year. When, when we can is rugby that? tackle the giant <laughs> egg together. Thank you so much. Yeah, Lucy, this was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. No problem. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Wasn't she fantastic? Ah, thank you so much, Lucy. Be sure to give her a follow on social media, especially on Instagram, where you can find her as Rain Biscuit. R-A-I-N-B-I-S-C-U-I-T. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar, Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.